0: Leadership, first of all, it's about setting a clear and, and inspiring uh, vision and staying true to it throughout everything that you do. It's also understanding where the world is going and all of its different moving parts without being influenced by whether, uh, what other people are doing.
1: Welcome to Mission Critical, a podcast about the big picture, the purpose, and the values that drive today's most game-changing companies, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm your host, Lance Chung, editor-in-chief of Base Street Bull, and I'll be introducing you to a group of brilliant minds who are making an impact on the world and forging the path ahead. While they may all be very different from one another, the question remains the same. What's your mission? We've come a long way since the early days of the internet and correspondingly, online commerce. Today, the lines between technology, business, and culture grow increasingly hard to define as leading brands firmly plant their flags at the intersection of them all. It's what today's guest set out to do from day one when he laid down the foundation of what would become a major force on the global stage. Rami Atala is the CEO and co-founder of Essence, a technology platform that focuses on nurturing emerging talent while simultaneously championing today's most powerful and established luxury brands. Essence was founded back in 2003, followed shortly thereafter with the opening of their Montreal store the following year and the launch of Essence.com in 2006. What started out as part of his computer engineering graduate thesis, Rami founded Essence alongside his brothers to address the needs of the new generation of consumers. They wanted to build a platform that was, in his words, interesting, pushed boundaries, and leveraged the internet to reach a global customer base. Today, the company has a valuation of over $5 billion and carries 1,600 brands ranging from Gucci to Balenciaga. They also employ over 1,750 people in permanent positions, have 1.9 million followers across Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and boasts over 100 million monthly page views on Essence.com. An immigrant from Syria, Rami's journey is one that exemplifies the power of harnessing diverse perspectives and skill sets, and using your work as a springboard for talent in order to usher in a new generation of leaders. Recorded live at the Essence headquarters in Montreal, on set for our 50 Most Impactful Companies cover shoot, I sat down with Rami to talk about his immigrant and entrepreneurial journey and the future of luxury, commerce, and culture enjoy hi rami how are you very good um it's such a pleasure to be chatting with you today we're on location here at the essence montreal headquarters and just finished shooting your cover story how did uh how did you think it went
0: it went well it went (laughs) well it's fun it's always fun to do those things
1: yeah yeah well as i mentioned i'm so excited to be chatting today i have A lot of ground that i want to cover with you um, from fashion of course to culture and technology to your perspective on really like the future of commerce and and from your standpoint Um, but first i'm curious what do you think was the earliest influence or memory in your life that impacted the way um, that you view fashion and style and how do you define those two
0: My first memory of fashion was uh, Nike's collections for Agassi in the 90s. So I used to play tennis when I was a kid, I used to compete and I used to take it very seriously. And uh, what Agassi was wearing back then felt very disruptive against the backdrop of all the other tennis players who were mostly wearing white polos. And um, even looking back today to that era, to me that was peak innovation in tennis fashion.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so you grew up in Damascus before coming to Canada when you were 15. Um, How do you think being an immigrant has influenced the way you operate your business and also seek out new talent and opportunities? Do you think that being an immigrant offers a competitive edge?
0: Having lived in two different cultures allowed me to understand the good from the bad from each culture. Growing up, my dad had a business in Syria. He was importing steel into the country, and my brothers and I used to listen in on his phone conversations. And the way he ran his business was very intuitive. It was based on building strong relationships and um, having a good reputation in the market was everything. In Syria also, there was no such thing as raising equity for, for the business, and so, years later when we moved to Canada and we started the business instead of going to investors and asking for funds we just poured our time and effort into running the business which was quite a heavy lift especially given the fact that we were still at school when we started the business and it feels like the immigration process was sort of a lesson in grit and resilience that pushed us to continue Pushing further despite the difficulties until the point where we start turning a profit, we were able to hire employees, and that made us financially responsible and allowed us to run a business that was sustainable and profitable from day one. Yeah, and so now today in your
1: position, obviously you're uh, in a position hiring. You know your leadership team being able to create your own team as well. How does that you know experience reflect on? The position that you're in now, and, and building out your team, and and seeking talent, and making sure that you know it's it's the best that there is.
0: Yeah, one thing that we that we do is personally I don't like to hire from uh, within the industry. I like to hire uh, people who have uh, perspectives that are not overly biased by industry practices um and that's been very uh, helpful in coming out with disruptive and new perspectives to the solutions that we encounter it's, it brings diversity of thought which is very important that's now ingrained in the company culture in terms of solving problems very differently than what how versus instead of looking at what other people are what other people are doing and trying to replicate the same yeah because you have like a
1: diversity of perspectives and a, and a you know, as a result a diversity of approaches to, you know, problem solving as well and finding different solutions that might not be accounted for if, you know, if it was an insular uh, group of people within the same industry with all the same experiences and perspectives as well.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: I was reading that you built uh, the Essence platform as part of your graduate thesis uh, for your computer engineering degree, which I think is incredible considering where we are today. Um, what were you trying to prove or say through your thesis that the world had not yet you know, come to realize or fully appreciate?
0: I first learned about the internet when I was a kid. It was actually my tennis coach in Syria who ta- talked to me about the Minitel, which was actually the precursor of the internet uh, that started in France. And the idea of having a network that connected every single computer around the world and. Opens up uh, a, an infinite amount of information to our, in our, at our fingertip was really astounding to me, and I knew at that moment that whatever I did later on, I wanted it would have to be internet would have to be part of it. And so, as I was working on my computer engineering thesis, uh, I wanted to build a website for Essence. And at that time, there was no out-of-the-box solutions that allowed you to easily uh, put up a website. So I, have, I had to learn how to set up a server. I had to learn PHP, H- uh, HTML, CSS. I learned Adobe Photoshop for the design of the website. And uh, with my two brothers, we got together, we incorporated a business, and we launched a website. And at that time, we were in our early 20s. And we felt that there was no platform that was addressing the needs of the new generation of consumers. Most of the interesting perspectives were emerging from independent uh, publications, like *This Then Confused, Vice, uh, The Face, uh, ID, or from independent retail stores like Colette, claireur Maxfield. And yet, most of the transactions were happening in department stores, which were big and bland. And so what we've set out to do is build a platform that was interesting, that was pushing boundaries, uh, and that leverage the internet to reach customers globally.
1: Mm. It's incredible that you guys had the foresight at that time, you know, when everything was also so new. And I mean, were there any rules at that time that you you know felt that you were bound to in developing the platform? Or was it just creating and molding as you were going, I guess?
0: It was very much of an uh, iterative process. The, the first pass was the, the, the core functionality of the transaction online, and over the years, we've built a lot of functionality on top of it. And that approach is something that, that uh, we follow quite a bit in the business. Uh, you, we build an MVP, minimal viable product, we iterate, we scale as we see results and it allows us to make sure that whatever we're building is actually useful for the end consumer instead of building the entire solution with all the bells and whistles and investing a lot of money only to figure out that actually the solution is not the right one.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a conversation that I have with a lot of the founders that we speak with as well is that the dichotomy and the difference between progress and perfection. And, you know, what's more important is is, is it iterating and making sure that you're you know, constantly improving and, and progressing? Or you know, do you work to put out a final product that is perfect? And 100% of the time it's always progress and, and iterating as you go from the interviews that I've had so far.
0: Yeah, and what's uh, unique in the way we've approached it is that this is very common uh, for uh, technology companies to, to do that because technology allows you to build products gradually, but we also have followed that approach beyond technology. For example, in our retail space here in Montreal, as we built it, we built it in a way that was very modular. So we built it around the grid system for the space design that allowed for an infinite number of configurations and allows us to use the space more for shopping appointments, for people coming to try, try clothes in the store or for merchandising racks or for even cultural and community events and that space we could adapt it in any way based on the needs of the business and that was particularly helpful during covid where, yeah. where when we were in full lockdown the appointment booking model allowed us to to continue to serve our customers without uh, much disruption when there was partial lockdown customers were able to come and we were using the entire space for appointments bookings and fitting rooms and then when people were back and wanted to be back in person we did started doing immersive uh, events with them like the one we did with uh, Drew House, Justin Bieber and, and Ryan Good, or what we did with Pharrell last year.
1: Yeah, and that's interesting. I walked through the space and I was able to see that modular system that you're referring to. I think it's so interesting because that is the landscape that we're in now where we've just kind of we're slowly reemerging from the pandemic and the ability to be Adaptive and to be modular and versatile in any application is becoming so important now for any business, um, and I think that that is something that is very you know clearly demonstrated through even just the the physical brick and mortar space, which is usually you know these spaces are usually bound to very specific guardrails where it doesn't give a lot of flexibility, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you've since grown Essence with your team to be you know really one of the most influential technology and commerce platforms in the world, how do you think your background in engineering has given you a really unique perspective and advantage over your industry peers?
0: Engineering is a mindset, it's a problem-solving mindset and um, we use the first principle approach a lot in the business which is breaking down each problem into its smallest parts, questioning everything. And rebuilding the and identifying what the optimal solution based on the series of inputs that, that you're given to solve the problem, and that has really allowed us to create breakthrough solutions. Whether it's the retail experience that I just talked about, or the UX uh, online of our website or our mobile app, they're very distinctive from what you see elsewhere in the market. Uh, but engineering is also about uh, understanding data, data patterns, uh, uh, cause and effect relationships, and that allows you to understand the, the business t- to a very uh, high level of depth.
1: And I mean, obviously engineering, you have your disciplines and kind of these, these laws that you follow, but you also work in such a creative space too, where that is very fluid and adaptive. Um, what do you do when you find yourself creatively stuck? Uh, because you live in a very creative world. How do you find inspiration and, and motivation?
0: I just break the my patterns and my routines. I uh, spend time with the family and with my kids. Uh, I play tennis, which is a great way to get your mind off of uh, off of work. Uh, I do meditation as well, which meditation has been very helpful over the last couple of years to one get your mind uh, reset, your mind and clear your mind uh, dealing with with the stress and moments of pressure. Uh, it's it's a very useful tool that, that I encourage every entrepreneur to to, to take on.
1: Mm-hmm. And you know, essence has really evolved from its early days as a destination for fashion and style to a major you know media and technology platform today. You talked about a little bit about your initial goals when you uh, built out your thesis project, but how have the goalposts continue to evolve as you built the company and as it's uh, grown. Like what what was your original goal? and how has that evolved to what it is today?
0: From the very early days, we knew that the business had the potential to be quite uh, big in scale, but I don't think we expect it to be where we are today, where the targets kept on moving as we were reaching new milestones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing I'm really proud of is that we've really been able to contribute and support a lot of, a lot of very designers, some of the designers that are most successful in the world today. When you look at Simon Porte from Jacquemus, Jerry Lorenzo, Marine Serre and there are countless other examples, I'm quite proud that we've been with them throughout the entire journey and uh, we've we've supported them throughout. And Essence today is known as a springboard for talent and it's a stamp of approval for emerging creators. But also we work with uh, established brands, Uh, for example, when uh, Pharrell wanted to, to expand with human race or Drew House with Justin Bieber and Ryan Good. Uh, they ca- they, we work together as their exclusive online global partner by leveraging our entire set of capabilities across marketing, technology, operation to really bring together an immersive experience and uh, give them access to our entire and global customer base. And today we use that strong edit and strong point of view to expand beyond fashion into our new everything else department. And we have a lot of really great brands that are pushing the boundaries of their own categories. Brands like Teenage Engineering, or Curves by Sean Brown, uh, or Le Labo and Self Care are all doing really great things within their, their own markets.
1: And you talk about Springboard for new talent, which I think is great because obviously you have a platform where you are able to work with some of the most established talent, Um, and well-known household names, but also provide a space where people can discover and explore new voices, new talent, new perspectives. I received an email yesterday from someone that was super excited because they have a grooming brand and they just, uh, he told me that they had just launched on Essence Mm -hmm. and how excited he was. And he doesn't even know that I'm here uh, with you. So it's just, I think it, it means a lot to the brands and the individuals that are coming up as well. and for. A Canadian brand to also support Canadian talent as well, which I want to dive into in a little bit as well. Um, But building on that, you know Essence, you work with some of the most influential brands today and you are one yourself. Um, What are the key indicators in your experience that make up a really exceptional brand and brand experience. You've worked with some of the most incredible brands that inc- offer the most incredible experiences. What's the the common denominator that you find that they have all ascribed to? It
0: starts with having uh, a clear brand, clear brand codes and being rigorously following them uh, th- throughout all the touch points. Brands should not try to be everything to everyone. And I find uh, brands today, that the, some of the best brands today are understanding, uh, have social awareness, and are even able to find their way into, into the social discourse. For example, brands like Balenciaga is doing exceptional, and Demna has brilliantly executed this. Uh, when you look at the last two shows, especially the last one, uh, he held it at the New York Stock Exchange. It was a very dark and grim show that actually was timed perfectly as the markets were crashing, and the world was on the precipice of an, uh, another financial meltdown. So is uh, really relevant with the times and that sparked uh, all sorts of discussions and conversations and really embedded the brand into contemporary culture it is
1: really about having a point of view and and something to say and not being everything to to everyone because if you are everything to everyone then you are essentially nothing you know to to a specific person you're trying to cater to everyone and then you lose that perspective and that point of view what do you think defines a great leader? And not just even as an individual that's operating a company, but also just as a, as a company that's uh, navigating an industry. You know, what defines a great leader as an individual, but also as, as an industry leader as well?
0: Leadership, first of all, it's about setting a clear and an inspiring uh, vision and staying true to it throughout everything that the, the you do. It's also understanding where the world is going and all of its different moving parts without being influenced by whether, what other people are doing. And there's the human side of it, you know, like being empathetic, um, being humble and having strong ethical values.
1: What questions do you think all leaders and entrepreneurs should be asking themselves before they set out to build a company?
0: Of course, the entrepreneurs need to start with a, with a good idea. But once they have the good idea, in my opinion, they shouldn't ask themselves too many questions. Uh, they should just put the product out in the world and then get the customer feedback. And from there, uh, the, the response from the customer will guide the next steps. In the beginning, it's, all, it's a lot of trial and error. And uh, the accumulation of those little experiments feed the intuition and will guide the entrepreneurs in the, in the right direction.
1: let's talk about luxury Um, how do you define luxury as it exists today for you beyond you know a high price point or a beautiful fabric what what does it really mean to you
0: luxury has evolved a lot over over time it used to be about expensive goods that provided a certain status. But as luxury brands, uh, traditional luxury brands, have gotten more and more into streetwear, and as lower price point brands were producing more and more um, product in limited distribution and high demand, those two, the, the definition of luxury has has changed. And especially when you add to that the fact that all of those products today are selling on selling secondhand platforms, when you add to the fact that sustainability is in and of itself, a luxury because producing sustainable goods is more expensive than producing non-sustainable goods. And But sustainability is not only limited to traditional luxury brands. And also, when you look at how brands collaborate today, you have brands across price, price points that are launching collaborations, whether that's Prada and Adidas or Gucci and North Face. All of that adds to the, uh, the, the vagueness of the definition. So with the world, luxury is frankly, difficult to understand in today's world.
1: Yeah, constantly shifting. Also, along with the times and what's happening, right? Because I guess it is kind of a reflection, like fashion and technology, a reflection of what's going on in society and what we're talking about and what our values and priorities are, right?
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Uh, From your vantage point, what kind of future do you envision for commerce? Uh, How do you see the binary between commerce and culture, collapsing and really giving way to a new definition of how we do business and work culture.
0: Commerce has evolved quite a bit in the last two decades, since the beginning of the internet. It used Commerce used to happen in stores, then it moved online, then in mobile, um, it's happening on chat and SMS today, it's happening in the metaverse, on AR and VR worlds, and it will continue to evolve and be more and more embedded into our day-to-day lives and be seamless to our lives. and As commerce has become more and more integrated and seamless, so has culture. Through social media, social media has fueled contemporary culture and both of those things have become more and more intertwined over time and the proof point to that is when you look at different artists that have a strong point of view and an audience, most of those people today have a brand, whether it's Pharrell Williams, Kanye West, Justin Bieber, travis scott rihanna you name it launching a brand is a way to another way to communicate with your audience uh, your point of view and um, it reinforces the message that you're putting out in the world
1: Um, so essence invests heavily in its technological infrastructure going so far as building out its own proprietary technology why has this been such an important investment and endeavor in the business? And what role does technology play in the big picture for Essence?
0: Technology is the backbone of our business and building proprietary technology was very important as we as we started. First of all, we had no other choice, but more importantly, it was uh, essential to be in control of our destiny. We're not relying on third-party platforms for our business to, to run. Uh, But it's also allowed us to innovate because when you're in control of of the technology and you understand it deeply, then you can build solutions that are uh, better than what's out there in the market. And you can also build solutions that are perfectly adapted to your business needs and business processes.
1: Mm. And how does that impact the way that you get feedback from both your clientele as well as your, your customers and using that data to iterate as we've been talking about?
0: Today we uh, we process tens of thousands of transactions a day and so we have a lot of data and what's interesting about it, it's, it's, it allows us to see very clear trends in the business and any deviation from the business trends could be spotted and we could get back to the root cause of why that, that is happening. Um, and over time we've built a really good understanding of how each part of the offer influences customer demand.
1: And How important is the distinction between Essence as a fashion platform and Essence as a technology platform? And why does it matter to distinguish between the two in terms of what your ambitions are for the company?
0: There is no distinction. We are a technology uh, as well as a fashion and cultural platform. And it's being at the cutting edge of both of those areas that makes the strength and the distinctiveness of essence where we do build technology solutions like an order management system or a merchandise planning tool, but we also create immersive experiences like the uh, takeover of the Burberry flagship store in New York that we did last year.
1: I was looking through the media deck and there's a quote that I really liked and it kind of goes back to what we've talked about already. And it says, quote, Essence Montreal is a retail concept in perpetual beta." So what does it mean to really embrace a mindset of constant iteration as we've talked about, not just as a retail store, but as a company and a technology platform?
0: It allows us to just adapt to the times. It's, um, It's gradual development of solutions, ensuring that we're building on strong foundations, uh, ensuring that there's, uh, we're building the customer feedback into the solutions that we're building. Uh, iterating allows us to ensure that uh, before going too far, that we're validating that the work that we're doing is uh, is is the right approach uh, before scaling.
1: And building on that, um, what do you think is the relationship now between physical? Brick and mortar um, locations and digital e-commerce as it exists today, because it might have been seen as, you know, church and state before, but that is very different, and and the landscape is continuing to change. So, what worlds do you do each of these spaces play for you today?
0: Totally, um, online retail used to be zero percent of overall retail in um, toward the end of the '90s. Today, it's about fifteen percent, and it's going to continue to increase in terms of share, it will eventually surpass the amount of transactions that are happening in physical stores. And as online has gained market share, the experience has improved. And over time, the role of physical stores will evolve to be less and less transactional and more and more about experiential, community-based and cultural-based. Retailers need to ensure that that they are able to provide both uh, experiences to the customer and let the customer choose how they want to interact uh, with them uh, and be able to seamlessly go from one to the other.
1: Yeah. yeah. And one thing that I, th- I find really important and impressive as well is that, you know, throughout the course of the company, Essence has managed to really maintain its operations in Canada despite, you know, having a global audience and global success. Why has it been important to stay in and, and champion Canada as well?
0: One of the things that Canada has allowed us to do is to be far from the fashion circles. Um, and that's allowed us to not be overly biased by, by the industry. And as a result, Essence has a very distinctive feel versus uh, what other retail platforms look and feel like. Uh, and in my opinion, Canada has allowed us that that luxury. Despite that, uh, and despite the fact that Montreal is and will remain our base, we have opened uh, international hubs of talent. Uh, we have um, t- teams in, uh, in New York, in Toronto, in, uh, in Vancouver, in London, UK, in Tessenderlo, Belgium, where our uh, fulfillment, European fulfillment is. Uh, and we're we're expanding into additional cities as well. Yeah.
1: yeah, and building on that, I mean, as you you know, Canada is not necessarily known as a fashion capital. Um, so, what do you think is unique about our perspective on fashion and style, and also culture and commerce that has made you know companies like Essence and other global brands from Canada succeed?
0: Canada is a country of immigration, and immigration brings diversity of thought and bringing new perspectives but immigration is also has proven to be highly correlated with entrepreneurship and finally canada has a very reasonable cost of living especially here in montreal and reasonable cost of living attracts uh, artists and creatives uh, to the city
1: yeah absolutely what still surprises you most about the work that you do
0: 19 years into the business and it still feels that there's uh, still some great challenges. It's as exciting as it was on day one. And despite the fact that a lot of our big bets have paid off from the fact that we have positioned ourselves at the intersection of streetwear and luxury, which was very uncommon uh, in the early days, but is now totally the norm, whether it's the impact that we've had on commerce and culture and over the years we have become a global leader in our industry and despite those things it seems like uh, there's still a lot more to do and we haven't scratched the the surface of what's possible yeah
1: yeah and building on that what what excites you most about the road ahead
0: it's about continuing to identify those those creatives that are challenging our perception of the world and are um, influencing uh, contemporary culture and for for me it's continuing to strengthen our platform to uh, to identify those talents and allow them to, to scale and reach uh, our global
1: audience. So our, our podcast and also everything that we really do through our editorial really focuses on mission, purpose, values, perspective um, with today's leading entrepreneurs and companies. So what is your mission at the end of the day? What's the bigger picture for you as an individual, but also as a company?
0: To me, amplifying the voices of, of people who are challenging convention and continuing to, to break new grounds, continuing to poke the system, and uh, continuing to drive progress in the world is something that's worth uh, that's thriving to achieve. And uh, And like I said, there's a lot more to do. Yeah,
1: great. Um, Just to finish off the interview, I wanted to just go through some really quick rapid fire, like one answer questions or anecdotes, just have fun with it Um, and very, very kind of light questions. uh, If you're down for that. Let's try (laughs) it. All right, so what's the the first thing that you do in the morning?
0: I grab my two-year-old son out of bed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. Uh,
1: And the last thing you do before bed? I brush my teeth. Um, Do you have a productivity hack or something that you stand by that helps you stay productive?
0: Meditation. Meditation.
1: What is the best career advice you've ever received from an industry peer or someone that you really value and stays with you today?
0: More than a career advice, it's a person. To me, my dad is like a big uh, influence on me and he's someone I, I go to whenever there's like, I'm questioning uh, which direction to take. Yeah, yeah.
1: What is the biggest risk that you've taken that has paid off? Starting the business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. We, it, was, it was
0: years of work, uh, no salary, n- no profits, uh, until we saw the, the light at the end of the tunnel a couple of years later. Yeah,
1: yeah. What has been your biggest career win?
0: Getting the company to where it is today, and especially without having any external funding. I would say um, we just got our, our first round of funding last year, 18 years into the business, uh, when it was uh, already at a very significant scale.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The centrals, what's your workwear uniform? We were talking a little bit on set today. What's your usual go-to kind of things that you, or do you have a uniform? And and if that is, what does it consist of?
0: Typically, it's a lot of blacks or tones of blacks. It could be a navy black or a a brownish black, but it centers around like a very dark color palette. Um, Sneakers, very often dress pants or denim.
1: What's the most cherished item that you own in your wardrobe?
0: It has to be a black t-shirt or a black pants.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it, I like it. Um, your favorite everyday shoes?
0: A lot of Nikes or Vans. Yeah, yeah.
1: Do you have any travel essentials when you're on business trips? What are the things that you always have in your bag um, that you always you know, need to have on standby for yourself?
0: A shaver. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um favorite guilty pleasure do you have any no (laughs) um a current book on your nightstand
0: i read sapiens uh recently it's it's an amazing book highly recommended
1: very interesting yeah um what's your best advice for aspiring entrepreneurs one sentence don't give up Thank you so much, Rami. This is so great. It's so much great insight. Um, I really appreciate the time that you've taken to spend with us today um, and a lot of really, really great advice. I I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you, Lance. It was a pleasure.
1: Rami has grown essence from university thesis to world-dominating e-commerce platform. But it's not just their ability to sell large volumes of luxury products online that is so notable. It's their ability to influence culture and technology at the same time that has made Essence's story so worth telling. Since day one, Rami's led the way by harnessing his engineering background and nurturing upcoming talent while simultaneously working with today's most established prestige companies. Through the eyes of an immigrant founder, Essence is redefining what it means to operate at the intersection of commerce, technology, and culture and continues to lead the way. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate it if you left a review on Apple Podcasts so we can get the word out. To keep up to date, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, ask yourself, what's your mission?